Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Decoding Society. This is your host, D'Angelo Starnes. Today is Sunday, March 25th, 2018, and our final show in March, I think. In any event, uh, we're back, and I'm back here with Chris Cathcart, and I'm going to stop saying host. I'm going to say co-host. So my co-host, uh, Chris <laughs> Cathcart's on the line. What's up, brother? Hey, man. I just got a promotion. Huh? Oh, really? No, no. You oh, elevate no, me to co-host. No. That's what it is. <laughs> Wow, you, so I work for, that. I just dude, say, dude, I work for myself. I I never get promotions. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> right? I know what you mean. Me too. So um, anyway, uh, we're gonna cut. Go ahead. No, I said I know you know, but go ahead, bro. It's good to talk. So yeah, we're gonna cover uh, several uh, current events today. Um, we're gonna get into uh, the suicide bomber down in, in Austin, Texas. Uh, the latest cop murder in Sacramento, California, and uh, white privilege quarterbacking in the NFL. Uh, but uh, first, uh, we want to talk about the big story that's in the news, um, this uh, rally against gun violence uh, that took place nationwide. Uh, I guess it was called the March for Our Lives, and uh, it was pretty massive. Uh, what were yeah. your impressions of it, Chris? I, you know, I was impressed by it. I, I, you know, based on our DNA, you know, cats like you and I, particular years in Howard and DC, I, I, you know, I, I think protest and organized dissent is is a great staple. It's a great staple for human beings, period. Let alone in this context. But I was really moved by this one because of the the, the young folk. Now, there's a couple of realities we got to we got to put this out. If the high school that got shot up in Florida, if you had replaced it with a high school that shot up in Chicago that was predominantly black, we wouldn't be having no national movements. You understand? We understand. Mm. So that's, yeah. That's, yeah. That is a harsh reality. Now, with that on the table, it is interesting to see um, a sustained protest against gun violence that seems to have legs. And I think one of the reasons is that the participants are the youth. And I think when the NRA yeah. usually goes after groups, it can demonize them. It could it could make boogeymen. You, it's hard to make boogeymen out of 15, 16, 17-year-olds who, you know, who haven't really voted, so you can't go at them that way. And you can say that they, you know, I heard, heard some com, com, uh, commentators talking about they were paid for by the Hollywood elites and the liberal left, but those things kind of ring hollow when you look and see all those people that came out. So I, I was, you know, I was encouraged by any time that, that, that level of organization and dissent. We'll just see where it goes. Um, I'm just curious to see what kind of legs it has, say, when we hit the summer, and in particular if it has any impact in the 2018 midterms. But I think it will. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you, man. I, I, I dug the youthfulness, the youth energy, and it's a. Uh, you know, we're kind of seeing this resurgence too, because uh, you know, if you if you look at the continuum from let's say Occupy back in when was that 2011, uh, or even back to the anti-war protests in Iraq, but definitely Occupy, uh, the Black Lives Matter uh, uh, protest, uh, 
uh, particularly in Ferguson, uh, the Standing uh, Rock uh, protest that that gained steam. Um, then the teacher strikes uh, in West Virginia and uh, Oklahoma, um, and now this. Uh, there's you know there's this there's been this underlying discontent uh, for quite some time, and, and the the rosy uh, economic um, uh, declarations notwithstanding, folks see what's going on around them. Uh, right. And, you know, you see the fact that and we're not getting any traction. You know, we get a lot of lip service and a lot of, well, we couldn't make a deal because, and, you know, in order for us to do this watered-down version, we have to compromise. And that's because, you know, of lobbyists and, and money and politics. So the, the, we don't have lobbyists. So we have to, you know, uh, utilize uh, protests and, and boycotts and, and marches and rallies yeah. uh, to, to get up. And and to to the point, I, I'm with you know I I did was kind of like well how did they get those stagings and 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 how did were they able to get you know uh, things organized so quickly? It I, to the extent that there was it was financed by uh, by by. Whatever the whatever elites there are, I mean, hey, you know, we'll take it, and because uh, no, man, that, but know, that, that, that that always happens. I mean, the, the Tea Party, but the, you know, it wasn't all self-generated; they were funded for them too. I mean, many of them because yeah. they were adults, they put in their own money. But the the, the Tea Party movement, um, they had financial backers; they had people helping, you know, pay for it. Um, various rallies and things of that nature. So that that always happens. When there's some, if there's some what you consider hostile leadership in the White House in particular, let alone government, but if if, if certain factions view leadership in the White House as being hostile, they'll organize. So the interesting yeah. thing about the kids yeah. though is that because the young kids they don't really even have an enemy other than the gun violence itself. So they look at the NRA as a byproduct of that. They look at some of the leaders as you know a piece of that, but the thing is the gun violence. So it, it, that's why I'm saying it's interesting because the forces that's going to come against them, they don't have an easy target here. You know, and, yeah. but I guess moving forward, the question will be what will they want and what will be considered gains or victory? You know, cause I know in what uh, Rick Scott in um, Florida, they did pass some laws, you know, changing the raising the age for gun ownership, at least for, for rifles and I know that there's been movement on the bump stock at the federal level. So moving forward, I'm going to, it's going to be curious to know what, what type of legislative wins will the movement seek so they can mark whether or not they made progress, you know? And, and that's interesting. So, so, right. So what are the goals? And, and I'm, you know, the front line of it is, you know, some, some, Reform to, uh, you know, the re- the regulations of of, of of weapons purchases, but you know, I think then you got to keep pushing it to towards uh, what are the causes, you know, because because like you said, uh, you know, if this if you know the fact that it happened in Parkland gave gave it the platform that's been needed. For shootings that are happening in in schools that are right. you know populated by non-white folks, and then that can spread to what's happening in the home and and what's happening in the neighborhood, and 
then why are why is there prevalent gun, why is gun violence so prevalent in places like Chicago, for instance? You know, what are the well, I mean, that, that, you know? No, I and I, you know, one of the things I did because I got a chance to watch, you know, good chunks of the the um, march and some of the speakers. I pre- I appreciate the fact that they made space for representatives from Chicago. A lot of young black brothers and sisters there came uh-huh. from Chicago, came from high schools had their say with, you know, but it's, I mean, we have, and this may dovetail with one of the other conversations today, but we still have to deal with the fact that it, it, you needed this to, ha- this had to happen at a school if it was affecting predominantly white kids. Yeah. This type of reaction. Because there's yeah. been a hundred, I think 165, 175 shootings in Chicago since Parkland. Since the shooting in Damn. Florida. So they, wow. they, I just learned this because I was watching the, one of the speakers mentioned that yesterday. So I just think that it's going to be interesting to see if it's a decentralized leadership mode, like with Black Lives Matter, there is no individual per se who's the person, you know, will, will, it, also be a, will it also be a decentralized view of what success is? And is it going to be legislative sure. victories? Is it going to be voting someone in out of office? A lot of the folk who spoke yesterday, hell, I mean, that the sister from Virginia, everybody who I was incredibly impressed with, um, hell, she's 11, so she won't be voting, you know, herself for a while. They did bring up something that they said the young, the young people should, who can't vote, should basically get proxies and demand that someone <laughs> vote for them or voting age. <laughs> for their I love it. I, I liked it too. Yeah. So, I mean, all things said, I think it's a very positive thing. But where it goes, um, say five months from now. Where it goes between now and November is going to be real interesting. Just if we just put it that way. And we got to keep up the pressure, because 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 again, you know, those in power know they know the impact, the negative impact, the policies that they're rendering is having on society. Um, and so, for instance, you know, since the Standing Rock uh, protests from uh, 2016, that begat, uh, I think, 20 states introduced bills, um, anti-protest bills, where they were criminalizing uh, protests uh, with heavy fines and, and, and incarceration time. And so, uh, and I think it passed, and it passed in North Dakota, South Dakota, Oklahoma, Tennessee. I'm not sure where they are in North Carolina, Washington, Oregon, and then they, those bills died. Uh, you, the more protests are going to more protests are going to happen uh, unless uh, there's some some give to the demands that the right. protests are, are setting forth. So we, we got so that in mind, you know, you're going to see this kind of pushback in, in the legislature, legislatures, which, like you said, requires us to vote, requires us to have our vote unimpeded. And requires us to vote against people that are going to vote and vote in favor of those kinds of bills. Um, right. Uh, so, in, in segueing, I do want to uh, note that, uh, and this is going to be a critical thing, so it might hurt some people's ears. Um, you know, I saw that President Obama uh, tweeted uh, that he and Michelle were inspired by the protest, and you know, that's all good. But you know, uh, where was this inspiration and and, and support? When you know when Occupy was in the streets, when uh, people were uh, you know um, Standing Rock, 
you know, where was where's the support and inspiration then when he was when he was the president? You know, where was the where's the inspiration to 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 cut back on the surveillance state uh, so that you know people that are protesting are under the watchful eye of the FBI uh, and whatnot and 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 the prosecution of whistleblowers. Uh, you know where, where was the inspiration? So these are, these words kind of ring hollow to me. I'm glad he said it, you know, because uh, that that will and may empower some folks to keep doing it. But you know, uh, at the same time, you know, we may not be at this point if during you know the time he was in office uh, we didn't have some of these things. Um, yeah, well, you know, he, he, uh, dude, he was he was he wasn't the wizard. I mean, if people want to try to make like he was a, you know all powerful. He was. Uh, he was a he was a democratic president um, who, you know, set the tone in some moral ways at times. But he did less on guns than almost any president, as far as I'm concerned, because he was you know he was paralyzed by the NRA. Um, they, the NRA the NRA did something the did something remarkable with Obama. They demonized him as the guy that's coming to take your guns, and he never did anything yeah. to, to take anyone's guns. And when after. Um, the, the shooting in Connecticut, the little the the, the toddlers, um, that was right. the closest I think he came to pushing. But that failed in Congress. So I mean, I'm happy too that he said something. But I think that this this is this is a unique time, and the pieces are aligned. You got Republicans controlling both houses. You have Republican in the White House, so you got a lot of people who are on the payroll to NRA on the front lines of having to do something. So there's no there's no boogeyman. That's the thing. They made Obama the boogeyman. Like, oh, he's coming for your guns. You can rally yeah, people around point. the concept. You can't do that now. You can't say that these 15-year-olds are coming for your guns. Uh, even if those right. even those That's who are calling for it. Because some people yesterday said a complete ban on guns, which won't happen in this country. But So it's going to be right. interesting if, you know, how they're going to define success moving forward. Um, and, and that, you know, but we'll see. I, I just think yesterday, just, you know, to kind of bring it back to that march, yesterday was inspirational, and I hope that, that particularly people of color understand that you, you still have to be engaged. We understand the realities yeah. of when the cameras come and when they don't, but take advantage of these opportunities. I'm happy that, that Chicago had its place, and they, they understood that there's gun violence that occurs outside of schools, on the streets and in the playgrounds and in the backyards. And these things yeah. have to be addressed, too. It can't just be when you shoot up some affluent school in some affluent neighborhood that there's national or international mobilization. There has to be mobilization around this issue, you know, in the alleyways and, 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 and the, you know, the parking lot yeah. as well as the school. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, I'm glad the brother, like I said, it, it, to your point, I'm glad the brother got inspired. You can always have a change of heart. I don't believe in flip-flopping. You can change your mind. Um, speaking of backyard and gun violence in backyards, you know, uh, I'd like to see gun violence by the cops addressed too. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, what are going to be the demands, um, with the latest uh, episode or most prominent public episode being where this, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm editorialized, uh, this ridiculous, Murder of this brother Stefan, and you know you lose track of the names too. But this guy Stefan Clark uh, in um, Sacramento was shot twenty times, two zero times by cops while he's in his own backyard holding a cell phone. Given seven, that's the number that comes after six. Second 
to comply with whatever order they barked at him. So uh, let me get your thoughts on that, and then we'll, we'll expound. I mean, you know what? 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 what it, it actually, this is the, how fickle the news media is. Because you go back a, a couple of points. You go back not that long ago, and these type of things dominated the news because they were, you know, the soup du jour at that yeah. time. Yeah. He has. Yeah. He, there's been other killings. There's been other guys shot, brothers, by police. Uh, and, I'm, and I'll say this, police of both colors, of all colors. I ain't just white cops. So I want to make sure yeah. we have this yeah. conversation. We're not saying white police officers are shooting black guys. We're saying police officers, perhaps poorly trained, ill-equipped, yeah. are shooting young yeah. black men. And the police officers can yeah. come from any background, so it's not a racial thing. But this, it's been going yeah. on. It just hasn't had any attention brought to it. And then you got a guy who's the attorney general who's essentially rolled back all the reforms that were being instituted in the police department. So that that and not mm. only has this thing been going on unabated and going on without a lot of attention, it's just that I'm happy that Sacramento. I'm I'm sad that Sacramento happened. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy it's getting some national attention because perhaps we can get this conversation going again because it fell off the front pages. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, it, there is really nothing to say about that, but it's business as usual. And this whole concept Ooh. that that black men can't be afforded their basic humanity. In these contexts, if you can always hide behind what I feared from all three of us, feared for our lives at the same time, and yeah. there is no way to de-escalate these things. I mean, it, you know, indeed, the, the, I guess, like I said, the worst part, man, this shit's been going on for a long time. Bro. It's, it's just, yeah. you know, it came to the forefront a couple of years ago with the series of Michael Brown and the other series of, I guess, Trayvon Martin and things yeah. like that. but. I know as black men, we've been having this conversation about how to conduct yourself around police to survive since we've been born and before this. Yeah. 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 And I don't, I think, and no. I think, and I, I think the theme probably for today, if you, if you draw it, is that, is that black lives do not matter the same. We know that morally and religiously, mm-hmm. whatever word you want to put in there, that they do, how justice and respect and humanity is applied is not equitable and has not been in this country for us. So the fact that, you know, the white students have to get shot up for it to be a national movement, the fact that black men get shot by police on a regular basis and it doesn't cause a sustained national outcry is an outgrowth of the fact to a Black Lives Matter point is that our lives in the eyes of many in power in this country do not matter as much. And that's just a fact. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's right. And you know, T point about the perpet the, the race of the perpetrators it it crosses color lines. I I agree with that, but it is racial because I mean, to me because it is happening to black people overwhelmingly. No, it, black it, men. I'm saying the receiving end of the bullets all black men. Yes, <laughs> so uh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Does the shooting? It's not. We're not just saying you have to be a white cop to be put on the list of somebody who's acted inappropriately. You can be any color cop. It's the receiving end of the bullets that remains highly racialized. Yeah, so that's I, right. Yeah, I agree no, okay, hundred percent. And and and, and piggybacking on the on piggybacking on the theme of the protest, you know, protests ain't supposed to be convenient. You know, the the protest that occurred at the basketball game where people blocked the entrance. That's what that's that's what you're talking. That's what I'm talking about. You know, in order to you're supposed to make folks 
feel uncomfortable yeah. because of what occurred, you know. And uh, and to the credit of the Sacramento Kings owner, who it should be noted is a person of color, he supported the protest. And uh, yeah, indicated you know, I asked that he was talk about because they they block people who are going to the Sacramento Atlanta Hawks game, the Kings Hawks game, and, they, yeah. and I like that. I mean, you, you're not you're not going to ever get changed if people stay comfortable. And and if only thing they have yeah. to worry about is going home and cutting on the TV or not. And that's how they participate. Right. If they try to go to the store and they get blocked, or they try to go to the game, they can't. No, no positive change has ever occurred in the history of any civilization when people are just comfortable and going along. You have to make people uncomfortable. You have to make them inconvenient. The sit-ins in the '60s were inconvenient to a lot of people. Right. You know that. that yeah. It wouldn't have happened if those those North Carolina A&T students didn't go in there and say, "Damn it, we're going to sit in that Woolworths and we're going to make those people yeah. uncomfortable." Yeah, no, I applaud that. So I think these, I think at some point these students that this march, it's going to have to be more than just the, the you know getting together in D.C. and thousands upon thousands and hearing Miley Cyrus sing. You're going to have to go and disrupt some things in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, and then that was the thing too. If you if you protest, you're going to get suspended. It's like, well, that's the point. I mean, I'm not. You know, the, the point of it ain't. You know, we're doing something that, that that's endorsed, and if it was endorsed, you do something about it. So that's what, you know, you've you got to well, do something to, to strike back. Go ahead. I mean, you know, just to pie in the sky, you know what would be cool to happen is if Black Lives Matter and affiliate groups had, a, you know, picked a day where all the NBA arenas were surrounded. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're not... It ain't just the react. It can't just always be reactive to a specific incident. If it's if it's systemic, then it has to be something, a system that's put in place to deal with a systemic issue. So, if you said, okay, on this day, you can announce it or not, because they probably would take precautions if you announce it. We're going to surround, if not all the arenas, as many as we can, and just make it hard for people to get. Yeah. Say you surrounded. Say have you surrounded somebody? I mean, it's hindsight now, but some of these final four arenas, man. Yeah. Come on, dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Speak, speaking of bringing attention uh, to to gun violence and, and cop violence against uh, un, unarmed black men, and it's not it, it, just you know we say this over and over, but I just want to make this drive this point home. Unarmed is just kind of the icing on the cake. The standard is uh, just the cop is justified in 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 using deadly force if facing an imminent deadly threat to his, you know, to himself or herself. It's not whether the person is armed, you know, or someone else. So it's not if the person is armed, just that's, you can be armed and and behold, like dude, you know, was trying to pull his gun out, let draw attention to the fact he had a gun. You can be armed. If you ain't pointing it at the cops or anybody else, they can't, they're not supposed to shoot you. Having a gun is not, the standard that, you know, it just, you know, exacerbates the problem of the person that's been shot, you know, and you can be unarmed and posing a threat. So want to draw that a distinction. But, you know, drawing attention to this, you know, Colin Kaepernick is still suffering from, uh, you know, being ostracized uh, for, for bringing that kind of attention uh, at football games. Uh, albeit silently, and and and, and would have probably uh, not. No one probably would have known what he was doing. 
until a reporter uh, asked him why he was sitting during the national anthem. So Brother Man still doesn't have a job. Uh, his former teammate, Eric Reed, who's a free agent, 25, 26-year-old, one of the top free safeties in the league, doesn't have a job. Uh, Michael Bennett, who, you know, all-pro defensive end, but formerly of Seattle, traded to the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, you know, vocal and prominent in his support of Kaepernick and the cause. Uh, he has a job, but now he's under some indictment. <laughs> Year old indictment. Yeah, I... Bogus indictment uh, for uh, physically uh, harming some elderly person. Uh, if you read the, but I, charges. I, I, I try. I read the, the I read that. I I still don't understand. He forced his way past some security guard at last year's Super Bowl and, and bumped into a sixty-six year old woman. So it was elderly assault or something like that. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't, I, I can't even wrap my head around that one. So I, I, I don't know what to add on that. But I will say, uh, it is abundantly clear that Colin Kaepernick has been blackballed by the owners in the NFL. It, white it, ball. It, 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 white ball. Yeah. White I, ball. I, I, yeah. I, I used that term the other day. He has been white balled. And it, it is, and if, with Johnny Manziel getting to work out with thirteen, fourteen different come on um, teams checking them out, and he can't get work. But, you know, like I said, draw a line through this. There's still double standards that exist based on race and background uh, that that find their way into all aspects of our life. I know you want to talk about the bomber in Austin, uh, Mark Anthony Condon, who's, you know, given the respect of the troubled youth and uh, the nerdy guy. And These aren't terms applied to people of color who commit crimes like this. The demonization <laughs> begins immediately, right? Yeah, the demonization right. begins immediately. So you take Colin Kaepernick and you take what he did. If if you're like the if you're on the other side of this issue of what it, of the police brutality, you should applaud the fact that all he did was kneel down at doing a national at put thirty seconds before a game. Of all right. the other forms of protest that could exist, you should be okay. Is that the extent of it? Because we can deal with this. Yeah. Yeah, for the price he has to pay for that, uh, in in light of, I mean, they're gonna t- and I, brother, I, you know, it's hard for me to say this. I I I can draw a straight line from when I first started watching football on the NFL level to now, how it inspired me to play football, eventually give me a scholarship to Howard. You know, the first Super Bowls. I was I love the Cowboys and I love the Raiders like you. But then I went to the Giants. They're gonna turn me off, man. I'm a lifelong. Fan, bro. I, right. mean, I yeah. almost don't yeah. remember not liking the NFL, and I'm at the point now that there are issues bigger than whether my team makes the playoffs or not. And I, I, to, I hope that we're able to collectively keep some heat around this Kaepernick issue because I think the the the, the calculation is to let it just die. The season's over, so, you know. We're going to go into – we got NBA stuff coming up, then the summer's a dead time. So by the time they get back to, you know, camp in August, that we would have forgotten about this. I hope that doesn't happen. As long as he don't have a job, it ain't going to happen. I mean, you know, I, I, to your point about the, 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 the calculated uh, protests surrounding the Final Four or, or, you know, NBA games, you know, Kaepernick could have said, hey, look, I don't have a job. Let's protest the games. 
I bet you he gets some folks to, to to do some similar stuff at these games. You know, some some disruption of, of of folks trying to get into the games. He didn't do that, and uh, neither did Eric Reed, neither did Michael Bennett. Uh, and they put their money where their mouth was in terms of you know what are you doing about it? Well, I'm, I'm helping kids understand how to conduct themselves around the police officers, understand what their rights are. Um, yeah, man, I, this is ridiculous. And what pisses me off is this is okay. So let's. That's one level of it. What pisses me off is that the union, the players' association, hasn't stepped up to to defend this brother's rights or or the other or the other players' rights to to engage in this kind of uh, action or, or and to be ostracized and, and have their livelihood. Uh, disrupted because of that activity. The union, headed by a black man, has not stepped yes. up to 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 defend. And and this and you could take it out of race. This is a labor issue. Do something about that. I mean, baseball had a very activist union. Uh, the Marvin Miller and, and Donald Fur, uh, very activist. They remember when uh, Alex Rodriguez. Was, said he would take less money to pay for the play for the Boston Red Sox, and, right. and the union stepped in, stepped in and said, "No, hell no, you ain't doing that shit. You you gonna set a fucked up precedent? No, man, we're trying to get paid. They, they, right, they right, on that. no. You know, we need to act. These guys need to be more activists, and, and they need to be more unified. Um, because these are the kind of issues that you're going to need to, uh, for instance, when you do collective bargaining. They'll be trying to, to have a rule next, next round of collective bargaining that says you can't protest during, during the national anthem because that fucks up our contract with the military. You can't have that, man. So these, these, I'm, I'm really pissed off at how the union you know, has, has just laid down on this issue. And people can talk about that Malcolm Jenkins and 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 Anquan Bolden uh, um, settlement that they reached with the owners. If you look more closely at that at that agreement, a that ain't no money, and b the money that they no. are putting in it is 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 contingent. I mean, conditional, uh, and and there's no solid commitments that they would. Do do uh, to follow through on on the funding. So, so the the real the real uh, if the owners really wanted to show um, where you know that they that they you know are sympathetic and support what the players are doing. And if those players hadn't broken off, um, they would back down from these protests. And they would these owners could they, they can go into the cities and and demand. Uh, financing, uh, public financing for their stadiums and and whatnot. They can go into the right. cities and demand. Uh, we don't want the cops killing people in our in the in the community of of our the, of our fan base. We don't want cops killing our, our fans. They'll try that for some for some for some uh, support. I'm sorry, I yeah, well, kind of went off, but yeah, it's okay. <laughs> No, no, I mean I I, I hear you, and I think. Uh... I think if Manziel gets signed, that'll be a that'll be a, a market thrown in the ground. Some, if Manziel gets signed anytime soon, that that better 
the players themselves are going to have to really put it on the line and not a handful of guys. Not, you know, it's going to have to be, we're not going to report to OTAs. You know, we're, we're not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're not going to play the first preseason game. We, we just will not physically play that game until this thing is dealt with. But you take a serious position on this. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, and you're a lawyer. I know there, there was some, effort to try to find out if there was collusion, which would be illegal, right, if there was collusion among the owners to keep Kaepernick out. Um, I'm not sure yeah, the legality of it, but I know there was, a, there was some um, um, investigation going about what, was it, and, you know, was it actively discussed and decided by the owners that he will not play again in the NFL? Yes, there is. I, I think that grievance is still pending, so we all, I don't know where it is at this point. But, yes, uh and, and they're and, and if, if and if found guilty, uh, they really could pay him a settlement. So if found guilty, I think he's due some um, some back pay, uh, which was equal to a year or two years of salary or something like that. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't result in, in them um, giving him an opportunity to try out for a football team. Uh, unfortunately, and that's why I'm there. so so okay. So the the legal the legal recourse, there's legal recourse, but the the remedy isn't adequate to uh, compensate yeah. for the real the real damage that they're doing in terms of killing speech of the players. Uh, no, the, what if the players weren't protesting um, um, cop violence? What if they were protesting the CTE shit, which is real too? Or you know, or right, or, right. Or, yeah, or you, the, you change, or, change, keep the activity, but change the issue. So if it was the right. the, the the issue with brain damage and the, the the lack of compensation for those who are affected by that, if they want to put it into gun violence altogether, and they join hands with these kids who organized yesterday and they want to protest around that, if you 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 pick an issue, but keep the behavior the same. So are you saying no dissent ever at all can be allowed? In this right league, in this this business setting, right. Uh, but I mean that 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 will also require that the union be damned. It require that players uh, individually and then collectively stand up and demand that they have a right to express themselves in a way that does not disrupt uh, or put anybody else in you know at harm. But right. that, it's going to be right. because I, I think the cabinet thing was allowed to fade. You know, we went into the Super Bowl, we came out, it was allowed to fade. I I sensing that maybe that's why I said the Johnny Manziel thing because I talked to a few guys yesterday who hadn't really been talking about Kaepernick who were like if that guy gets a job and these aren't activists these are just guys who watch sports they're like if he gets a job and Kaepernick doesn't then we know there's a problem yeah it's unfortunate it has to take it has to go to those extents and Kaepernick to his credit um I really admired how he's conducted himself I mean he did donate a million dollars to those different causes when he wasn't making any money by all accounts, right. he, he, he hasn't injected himself unnecessarily into other things. He didn't try to make it about him. I mean, he really went out of his way to not make it about him. Um, yep. He stayed in teeth. He has, he has never said, I don't want to play. Apparently, he stayed in tip-top shape and condition and, you know, keeps his training up. He's done. If you're going to have an athlete who stands up for something and conducts himself in the proper way, he's prototypical of what other athletes should be doing if they have a voice yeah. and exercise it. Um, so I, I, and I hope that too isn't lost with all this going on because he, he, he his is an example that should be, uh, you know, 
followed but also honored. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, that's right. And, and Johnny Manziel, man, for, for 13 teams showed up, that dude, all the shit he did, domestic violence, I mean, he, he, he hit all the markets. <laughs> you know, domestic violence, you know, uh, drug and alcohol abuse. Man, not to say that you can't be, again, so let me, and then let me make this distinction. Not to say, just like I said, you can't flip-flop or change your mind. Not to say you can't get your shit together and come back and, and demonstrate you can play and you, and you change and turn your life around and you are, and you are committed to it. That, that's right. not really the issue. But if you take, like you said, record, you know, a tryout, workout, a consideration is based on body of work, then there's, there's a real problem, Johnny Manziel versus Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed. Uh, so I'm going to read you some names. I want you uh, – so I'm going to read some names. Brock Osweiler, Sam Bradford, Mike Glennon, Kirk Cousins, Case Keenum, and Johnny Manziel. Besides being white, what do all those guys have in common? They all they had some legal issues. They the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, they ain't been to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick ain't been to the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, Brock Osweiler's on his, what, his one, two, three, fourth team. He's a bum. Well, I mean, the, 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 listen, I, you know, you don't want to. You don't want to harp on the race, but there is a double standard, and it it has existed for. I mean, like I said, we didn't talk about it, but the, the how certain people are treated and what they're afforded does does oftentimes cheat on what your race and background is. Um, and so, Manzel, we look at Kaepernick. Kaepernick, they kind of view as he's kind of representative of of you know the angry black guy who who won't just go, right. go along, get along. Johnny Manzel is looked at as a one off. He doesn't represent anybody when you look at him, just like the, like the bomber in Austin. He's not lumped together with other people. He's considered the lone wolf. They said the same thing about the guy in Vegas. Yeah. I think it's a high class. When you have these issues and the perpetrators are white, then the, 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 the portrayal of them is that they are some kind of an outlier. They're not representative of a group. So Johnny Manziel, he said, oh, he's kind of wild, he's this and that, but he doesn't represent just these quarterbacks, period, or people from his era. He represents himself. Well, Kaepernick is viewed as – he may be a portal to many other people who think like him. And that's how we're always yeah. together, as, as, you know, lumped together. So, you know, it's it's not guilt by association, but, you know, disrespect by association. Well, and, and okay, so let's stick with the, the, the Austin. I'm calling him a suicide bomber. Because, I, I mean, like, and people are scared to use terrorists. You know, I mean, with the hate crime, you know, when there's a pattern of hate crime committed by these guys, uh, Dylan Ruff, um, these guys don't, they get, like you said, they get the sympathy, mentally disturbed, lone, loner, because, uh, it, because you know, picked it, on. It, 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 because it doesn't require any other effort. If you can just kind of isolate them as some kind of anomaly that they they they're they're, they're, the, they're not they don't represent any type of group. You know they 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 didn't get hugged enough. They didn't get the principal checking on their homework. <laughs> right. right. So they acted that way because of their very specific background. But then you take the brother who got shot in Sacramento. The reason that we we deal with this situation, we deal with the police because we are looked at as threatening as a group. Yeah. Not individual. Yeah. 
I mean, and, right. and, and, and listen, I've talked about this in my diversity media class out here, that there's dozens and dozens of examples of when someone perpetrates one of these heinous crimes and they're white, how the media depicts them. Yes. The photos that yes. they use to show them, they're usually graduation yes. photos or the nice, they're not, and they're never signed terms like thug, ever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And that's yeah. empirical. I mean, that you can go and research how certain people, the Dylan Roofs, who they actually arrested and bought a Burger King when they took him to jail, something like that. And how, God, yeah. uh-huh. how, how, how Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown were discussed initially. It wasn't about, you know, the, you know, it was threatening. Somebody felt threatened. Yeah. The cops felt threatened. You know, Zimmerman felt threatened. Oh, so, there it's, is, it's so, you just, that, so you extrapolate that kind of thing through the other issues we talked about. Why the white school gets shot up and we have a national march? Why is Kaepernick made an example of? Why is Manziel with all the problems he has still getting a look? That line goes through all those things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, no, I I can't argue with you on that. Um, you know, it's because these guys that control the narrative themselves in these white dudes and, and and why they why they they deserve you know, some sympathy and a second chance you know um, whereas like you said before they see us and you know it's like it's amazing how you know these guys they'll, they'll have a criminal record they'll have their criminal records break down in in the newspaper be, before there's a proper investigation of the circumstances uh, leading to the exactly. guy being shot. And, yeah, bro, and I'm trying to tell you, you can. This has been studied. This isn't us just riffing here, just angry black guys on the mic yelling at each other. This has been right. chronicled. You can study how this. There, what, remember, I know we're getting close to the wind down, but remember when the uh, biker groups had a fight in San Antonio or some Texas city? They had that oh, yeah. shootout. And some people, yeah. They were never discussed. It was never called a riot. Nobody was ever called a thug. You imagine if there was a group of brothers who got in a shootout at some restaurant? Right. right. Just how it would be depicted. Yeah. So when the when the rot when the kids pro, you know rip down a city because UCLA won or Kentucky won or some other school won a championship, that ain't a riot. That's just protesters getting out of hand. Right. That's right. You know, Freddie Gray dies in Baltimore in a collection of mostly black people running towards CVS. Man, that 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 is you know the, the, that is the sign of the apocalypse. The country is coming to an end because they can't they, yeah. they, they can't conduct themselves as human beings. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And a lot of us fall in line with that. Um, and a lot of us fall in know. line with yes. All right, so so we are winding down. Um, you mentioned your classes a couple of times, man. Can you? Why don't you give us a little information about that and whether there's open enrollment or how people can get oh, in no, touch with you about these kinds of things. I teach at two schools, uh, adjunct and part-time, Syracuse University's entertainment PR class. I just actually finished the fourth class, four years in a row for them. And at Cal State Northridge, I'm very honored to teach uh, public relations, but one of the classes they let me teach is diversity in the media. So what we do in this class is we look at how the media depicts different groups Asian-Americans, African-Americans, women, LGBTQ, uh, Native Americans, Latino, and just show how different groups are depicted. And so when we discuss African-Americans, we talk about this very topic about how, and we look at how the media discuss, you know, these types of issues 
um, crime committed by people of color and crime committed by, you know, folk who are not of color and how they're just looked at differently. They're discussed differently. They're positioned differently. Uh, there's a lot more sympathy afforded to, you know, white people who conduct. Even if, like, and we, and most recently we used a shooting in Vegas. But he, as soon as that guy shot 50-something people, he was automatically a lone wolf. That almost always comes out. You know, he's a lone wolf. Um, nobody saw this coming. His, you know, it's like there's some kind of strange thing about his background that led him to do this. But when people of color do it, that's kind of what we do. Yeah. So that, that yeah. class, I, I, I learned a lot because, you know, we look at films and, and TV shows and news coverage and, and media coverage and print publications as well, and it's consistent how this is done. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, thanks to Chris Kaskar, my co-host, uh, for another outstanding program. Uh, subscribe to our show on iTunes and SoundCloud. And until next week, everybody take care. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks, D'Angelo. Talk soon. All right. Yep.